Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. I think any parent would understand that when you tell one of your children to do something, you've got to keep an eye on them to make sure they do it. There's been plenty of times I've said to one of my children, hey, can you go and do that? And they'll say to me, I will. Then three hours later, you notice it hasn't been done. So they say, hey, hey, I thought you said you were going to do what you promised. And they said, I will. I've learned that unless I make them do it and follow through on it and keep an eye on it, it doesn't get done. I thank God we don't serve a God like that. When he says he's going to do something, you don't need to keep an eye on him. When he says he's going to do something, you don't have to follow him up. God's a man that he should not lie. When he says something, it's going to come to pass. And so I want to encourage someone today who has some promises and some dreams that look like they're buried under the disappointment, under the rubble of disappointment and delay. We serve a resurrection God. When he says something, it's going to come to pass. God is a promise keeper. So we're not going to wait till we see it, till we give him a shout of praise. We give him a shout of praise beforehand. So I think right now, we should thank him ahead of time. Before we see it, before it comes to pass, why don't you give him one last shout of praise? He's an awesome God. We thank and we praise you, God. You're an awesome God. Father, I thank you. You're a promise keeper. I thank you, Lord, when you say something, it's going to come to pass. And I thank you that when you speak, things shift and things happen. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's give God another hand of praise. He's awesome. Turn the person 1.5 meters away from you. Give them a socially distant wave and have a seat. Praise God. Thank you to our worship team. How awesome is our worship team? Let's give them a round of applause. And uh, who thinks Wayne is an incredibly handsome man? And uh, praise God. You know, did you see Wayne was doing that, uh, that challenge of how many push-ups a day were you doing, Wayne, online? Was it like 25? Yeah, 25 a day for 25 days. Just incredible. You know, a man your age, I'm so amazed at that. And uh, if anyone's got any Denka rub or anything like that, uh, that would be really helpful. So yeah, praise God. Good to see you today. Thank you so much for being here. It's always wonderful when we get together again, and uh, it's so, so cool. And uh, I also have uh, a couple of friends of mine, uh, pastor friends of mine that are visiting, and, and uh, whenever I travel all around Australia, I always tell people, because everyone goes to the Gold Coast on holidays, so I always tell the churches that I preach at uh, that Kings is your holiday church whenever you're on the Gold Coast. And so got a couple of friends that are doing that today, praise God, so I thought I'd give them a shout out. And uh, friends of mine who pastor a church uh, in Brisbane called Forever House, uh, and that's Pastor Brad and Sarah Power are here. There's good friends of mine over there. Give them a round of applause and uh, give us a wave, guys. And also, so I know they've been here for a couple of weeks, and they're not really here for us, they're here for Ray, but uh, uh, great friends of mine from Townsville, you know, one of the great churches of our state, Life Church in Townsville, uh, Pastor Colin Lynn Islander here, and Lynn is the daughter of uh, Ray Job, uh, and so, and who knows, he just produces all these attractive daughters. So, uh, Colin Lynn, where are you? And uh, give him a wave over here, Colin, great friends of mine. So good to see you guys, uh, and uh, you're a blessing. Uh, today I want to start uh, a new series. Uh, we've been doing a series. We started it online, uh, and then when we came back, we continued a series called Family Matters. 
Uh, but today I want to start a new series that's going to go for the next five weeks, uh, right up until the September holidays, and so I'm pretty excited about it. So I want to start uh, by reading a passage of Scripture to you. Uh, it's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 to 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 to 13. Uh, and it says this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you would help us to be carriers of your kingdom culture. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This was written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. Now, the thing about the Corinthian church, they had a lot of supernatural activity. They had a lot of miracles and a lot of signs and wonders. And to the point that it's actually in uh, the letters of 1, 1 and 2 Corinthians that he talks about the administration of spiritual gifts and that sort of thing. So here's a church that saw great levels of demonstration of power. I would have thought then that what he says here would be quite shocking to them. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13, he says, Now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. So he's saying that if you want to strip everything back, the three highest kingdom priorities, the three highest kingdom cultures are these three words, faith, hope, and love. I would imagine the people in that church would have been super surprised by that because I would have thought they would have put power right up there with those three. But he didn't actually do that. Don't get me wrong, power is important. As a Pentecostal church, we love seeing God touch people's lives. We love seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. That's part of who we are. But he says here, he says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So what he's saying is that wherever there's a gathering of kingdom people, that every Christian, these are three values, these are three cultural values that every single one of us should seek to try and imbibe into our lives, that these are three things that are actually representative of the kingdom of God. One of the things I've been loving about our church is that this year uh, we talked about expansion and then praise God, COVID-19 hit, hallelujah. Uh, but we still expanded. And so we still had two other campuses on the go, so we went from two campuses to four and that sort of thing. The interesting thing about our campuses is that they're all in different areas and made up of different types of people. You come to our campus here at Reedy Creek, it's a different kind of clientele, I guess, a, a different demographic, demographic of people that we're reaching. When you go to Pempamar, it's different again. They're kind of a little bit more aspirational and that sort of thing and trying to get ahead at that, at that campus. And, and then out to Logan Village, it tends to be a little bit more working class. And then you go out to St. George, and as you noticed on the video, uh, they're a lot more country, which is why I think Erin just loves it out there because uh, she can wear a cowboy hat out there and um, fit right on in. And so at every one of our campuses, we don't all dress the same. Every one of our campuses, we're not all the same ethnicity. At every one of our campuses, we are not the same age. And so really when it comes, I was thinking to myself, well, Lord, what is it that if you come to a King's Church, what is it that people should experience at every single campus? Certainly not all the same types of car, certainly not all the same types of socioeconomic status. It's going to be different at every one. But what is it, Lord, that should be the same at every single one? 
And I felt God speak to me out of this. He said, these three things remain. These three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So what that means is that no matter what campus you go to, no matter how people dress, no matter even if they put a little bit more of a twang in their music or whatever it is, that there's three things that you should experience at every single King's Church. Faith, hope, and love. I think these are three things that as Christians, every single one of us should aspire to. Every single one of us should be people who say, you know what, if people interact with me, I want them to come away experiencing that kind of demeanor in my life of faith, hope, and love. And so we're doing a series over the next five weeks, and uh, I've decided this morning, so they didn't have a slide for it, but I've decided to call it Priorities. Because really, when all else fails, these three things should remain. Faith, hope, and love. Notice this, he's talking to people who might be experiencing a level of success in what they're doing. They might be putting their trust in that. But he's saying, if all else fails, these three things should remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so we're going to do a series based upon this text over the course of the next five weeks. And today I want to do the first part of that series, basically faith, hope, and love. Let's have a look at these different values. Let's have a look at these three cultural distinctives. Because these are things that I think that are applicable for every single one of us regarding of our context. And things that will be applicable at every single King's Church uh, that we have. The first thing, uh, and we're going to start at the end of the verse because he says the greatest of these is love. So I thought we might actually start with that. Verse 13, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So he is saying the number one thing that should be evident, the number one thing that people should experience. He's talking to a church here, a Corinthian church. So he's saying the number one thing people should experience when they come to that church is actually they should experience love. A really clear way of putting it is that love is an atmosphere. That literally when you come into a place where love is present, you can actually feel it. You can actually know that there is love uh, in this place. You know, Jesus basically says that for a Christian and for gatherings of Christians, love should be our brand. John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says, the new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What's the sign that we're a disciple of Christ? That we have love one for another. That's why really as Christians, we should be the most loving people on the planet. That's why a church should be the most loving, accepting place on the planet. In this world, people receive rejection wherever they go or they have to kind of attain certain standards in order to be a part of the group. But here is, he is saying here that love and acceptance is one of the key markers actually of God's people and also key markers then of a church. You've heard me talk to you before about the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a man who was widely uh, despised amongst the community. He would have been known for ripping people off their finances and also representing the government and taking money off people. So he would not have been a popular person. He hears about Jesus' ministry and in order to get a better look, he climbs a tree to see Jesus' ministering. At that time, Jesus turns and points to him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for tea today. Notice this, he doesn't say, Zacchaeus, if you want me to come to your house, you need to do these things. He doesn't establish a list of criteria in order for Jesus to accept him. So Jesus went to his house 
And because Zacchaeus ex- uh, received the acceptance of Christ, he then repented. And he said, so now, he says, Lord, because of this, I'm going to give away half of my goods to the poor, and I'm going to pay back everybody who I've ripped off four times what I ripped off them. Jesus says, now I know salvation has come to this house today. Notice this, he accepted first, and then that led to repentance. It's the goodness of God that lead people to repentance. It's not our job as people come to this place to kind of test and measure whether they're good enough to come into this place. If we're all real and if we all remember where we all came from, if we had a measure like that, probably none of us would be eligible to come here as well. But I thank God that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did a wait for us to get our act together. He did a wait for us to clean ourselves up. He died for us first, made the way. And in the same way, we should be people who are receptive of other people as well, that we accept first. And then from that position, I believe we'll see people repenting, giving their lives to Christ, that they will understand that I've finally come home and they've come, come forward to a loving saviour. Love is actually manifested through acceptance. Not only that, love is actually manifested through care. It's manifested through care. You know, one of the things about the Corinthian church, it's a lot like the churches that John wrote to in 1 John. And last year I preached a message on 1 John. And basically I talked about how he was addressing the issue of a heresy that had entered the church called Gnosticism. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. Gnosticism. Well, scholars believe that Gnosticism had penetrated the Corinthian church as well, which is why the Apostle Paul was addressing a number of areas. Gnosticism basically says it's all about mental enlightenment uh, and, it's all, and it's, all, it's all ethereal. And so basically, if you want to, you know, where the rubber hits the road, they basically said physical things are not important, only spiritual things that are important. But that led to a heresy that took people away from the purposes of God. And the two main things that always manifested in churches that allowed Gnosticism in was that there was a culture of non-repentance. So you heard me talk to you before about we accept, then they repent. But in those churches, I would say you don't have to repent. And he talks about a whole lot of sins that people were getting up to um, at that time because it led to a non-repentance. But the other thing it also led to was a lack of care for others, a lack of physical care for others. And so a classic example of that uh, is actually found in 1 John 3, 17, where John actually says, whoever has this world's goods sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So he's saying you don't really have love if we don't practically care for others. He says lip service is actually not enough. There has to be some kind of manifestation in all of our lives of care. You've heard me talk to you about before about when we first came to, be, uh, to lead Kings that at the time, uh, there were a number of financial challenges that we were really experiencing. And, and uh, thank God COVID came to, uh, this year, not two years ago. Uh, amen. And, um, and so one of the things we had to, we had to trim our sales in a whole lot of areas. There was a whole lot of expenses going on. And, and one of the areas that was actually, um, was actually financially not doing very well at all was actually our care arm. And I actually had, um, you know, some people say to me, say, Ben, uh, what's your vision for the care arm? Do you want to keep it? Or that sort of thing. I know of some churches where a pastor, the first thing he did to get the church right financially was actually cut the care arm and that sort of thing. And so I prayed about it. And I really just felt that as Christians, we have to meet the practical needs of people. 
Uh, every one of us as Christians, we should do that. But also, too, as a church, we can't expect our people to look after the practical needs of others if we're not doing it ourselves. And so I really felt, no, no, we've got to keep it. Maybe we trim the sails a bit. Uh, and uh, talked to Shirley, who came in and ran it, and said, look, let's just keep it at feeding the poor, clothing the needy, at a price that we can afford. <laughs> And that's what we did, and we started doing it. And my goal was that it would just, you know, it would just keep ticking over and do its best and that sort of thing. But what God has done in that space over the last year and a half has been absolutely amazing. In fact, the favour of God has come upon that community care arm to a whole new level. Even in the midst of this crisis through COVID-19, it's created so many more opportunities for us as a church to meet the practical needs of people in our community. In fact, to be honest, when I first came, I could not even see us having a care arm at any other campus because I thought I wouldn't be sure if we were going to have the finances for it. But God has blessed it so much that we're even now starting to roll it out. I remember when we took over St. George and St. George, a tiny little church, it's dwindled down to like seven people and we weren't sure what we were going to do out there. And they said to me, could you start a care arm out here? And I said, <laughs> oh, let's just see. And so, and then when we officially took over the church, that Kirsty, who you saw on the video, she says, Ben, can we start a care arm out here? I said, listen, you know, you know, we want to take care of the needy as, as you know, that is important, but you know, certainly as long as we can afford it. Um, and then they, they did it. And then all of a sudden the grace of God came upon it. Uh, even before we opened public services, Shirley and the crew went out there and we had, uh, and they, on the first you know, first time we were able to offer it, we offered 50 hampers to people. Apparently they were lining up out the gate on a Saturday morning waiting to come in. This whole region only has like 2,000 people in it total. 50 of them were lining up out the front of our church before we even went to public meetings. Why? To come and get some hampers. And when they do start coming to our church, they will know that they come into a church that loves them. And why is it a church that loves them? Because we have care for them. As well. Does that make sense? Care is one of the ways that we actually manifest that love uh, to other people. Not only that, love is manifested through friendliness. That as a friendly church and as friendly people, we can manifest that love to others. Our relationship with God is not just us with God, but he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, but also love your neighbour as well. One of the greatest ways we can help people experience the love of God is that when they come to our church, someone that they don't know says day," says hi, that when they walk past them, gives them a nod or a wink or that sort of thing, and it causes it to be more and more friendly because that is one of the ways we can actually manifest love. If you want to sum up what love is, love is an atmosphere. The second thing that he says, and we'll work in reverse order then, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So the second thing he says, which is vital, which is a key priority for Christians, and also then a key priority for churches, is hope, is hope. Now, if love is an atmosphere, if you want to sum up hope, hope is an attitude. Hope is an attitude. It's manifested in our attitude. Uh, it's a wellspring for the soul. So what that means is this, that as Christians, the way we manifest hope is having a positive, life-giving attitude in spite of the circumstances that we actually face. In fact, right now, during this season of difficulty right across the world, one of the greatest ways we can shine our light is actually go through the same things as other people, but come through it with a different attitude. Because then we'll be showing them that we've got a greater strength to draw from. 
because our hope is not dependent upon our external circumstances. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 1 verse 1 that it calls the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. So that tells us what our hope is founded upon. Our hope is founded upon the character and the person of Jesus Christ, which is unchanging. It's not founded upon our circumstances. It's not founded about th- on things that I'm actually going through right now because those things come and go and those things change. But my hope is not founded on that. If it was, I'd be up this day, down ne- ne- that next day, and I'd be just like a yo-yo. But he says our, f- our hope is founded upon Jesus Christ, and that is a firm foundation. So that is why as Christians, we should have a positive life-giving attitude in spite of the things that we might go through. We might go, as a Christian, it doesn't mean we never go through the same things that happen in society. I mean, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. There are times when we go through the same things as society, but we can come through them different. We can come through them stronger. We can come through them with a life-giving attitude. We can go through fire and not even have a singe or any smoke upon us. Why? Because our hope is founded upon Jesus Christ. In fact, the best way to develop a hope-filled attitude is to persist through difficult times. Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, it says, we glory in tribulation. Why? Because tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character then produces hope. So how is hope developed in my life? Not having everything go my own way. Hope is developed in my life that when tough times come, I persist. And then over time, it develops my character and it manifests in hope, that attitude of hope in spite of our circumstances. Hope is something, is supposed to be our default position. Hebrews 6.19 says this, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul. When you drop an anchor, you're not supposed to move from there. I'm not much of a fisherman, uh, to some of your disgust. And uh, we went to Noosa uh, a few months ago and decided to uh, hire a pontoon because uh, I wanted something big and slow and safe to drive on the water. And, and so we took it out. And, and I, I, I don't even think I've taken a boat out on the water before. I was learning on the go the signs on the waterways, you know, the green and the red. I didn't realise it means you're heading one way, you've got to go around. I didn't understand. So I found out when we hit a sandbar in the middle of the Noosa River. Um, but we got to a point where we wanted to drop, where we wanted to fish. And so not because I knew there were fish there, just because I was sick of driving. And so, and so we stopped and in order to stay in that place, we dropped anchor. Why? Because we're not moving. This is where I'm staying. Hope is an anchor for the soul. It's my default position. position. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It's not going to buffet me. It doesn't matter if I get bad news. I'm not hanging around every day to find out how many COVID-19 cases are happening in Melbourne. (gasps) Did you see what's happening in Melbourne? I don't care. Why? Because hope is my anchor. It's not founded upon what the news tells me. It's founded upon the character of Jesus Christ, amen? And in spite of those things, and other people can be scared and worried and that sort of thing, but our position is we have that attitude of hope. That's why you've heard me say to you before that the righteous are as bold as a lion, not an antelope. (laughs) The slightest sound of bad news and I go off scurrying. No, man, we're lions. 
full of hope, full of confidence. I don't care what the world says about this. I'm full of confidence, full of hope, still going to obey the laws of the land, but we're not going to allow everything to scurry around us. Amen? That is why we are one of the few churches still having church. Because I just reckon we should have as much faith as the government. I just reckon as Christians, we should be at least as positive as the government. And if the government says we can meet a certain amount of people at a certain amount of time, then we will. We're not going to sit in our little caves all scared. This might go online. We'll have to edit it later. Um, Amen. That's good preaching. Hope. It's an attitude. Nothing knocks me away from that. Don't care about any news. Don't care what anyone says. It's not founded on what you say. It's not founded on your report. It's not founded on what's going on in life. My hope is founded on the character of Jesus Christ. Amen. The third one was this. Sorry, I sounded angry there. Didn't mean to. Third one is this, and he says it first. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest, but faith is pretty important. Because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So in order to please God, we actually got to have faith. Now, if you want to sum up what faith is, uh, we talked about love. Love's an atmosphere. Hope's an attitude. But faith, it's an action. That's why the Bible says, faith without works is dead. Don't tell me about your faith until I actually see your works. Faith without works is dead. And it's an action. So that means as people of faith, we don't shrink back. We advance. We fight the fight of faith. We walk. We don't have to run. We don't have to leap. We don't have to jump. But we walk and we advance by faith, not by sight. Not what everyone else says. Not what is out there. We walk by faith, confidently advancing, moving forward. You can't live by faith without some kind of action. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, talks about the heroes of faith, and it says, by faith they did this. By faith they did that. Faith is always an action. And as believers, we need to be people that continually take steps of faith. I'll be honest with you. I remember I was feeling pretty good at the start of the year. Talked about this year, the year of expansion. Expand to the left and to the right. Go from two campuses to four. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Feeling pretty confident, you know. And then a couple months later, they talk about shutting down church. And then I'll be honest with you, I just, I actually thought, okay, how can I back out from what I had publicly said? And I felt God say, this doesn't change anything. It doesn't change it. And this year we've still expanded to the left and to the right. We came back and our attendance, we've got a whole bunch of different services. Our attendance is about 20% more than the same time last year. And God's doing great things amongst us. Not huddling in our caves waiting for Armageddon. <laughs> Stepping, walking, advancing by faith. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, but you've got to have faith. 
Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith isn't just manifested in action. It's also manifested in the way that we talk. Jesus doesn't say, think in your heart happy thoughts towards this mountain, it shall be removed. Doesn't say hope that this mountain will be removed. It says speak and it shall be removed. So faith in our heart is manifested through actions and through language. Speaking words of faith, speaking words of life, even if the whole world's negative, speaking positivity, speaking confidence. It's not just, it's not just whistling in the wind. It's founded on the right place. It's founded upon God's character and it's founded upon God's word. You know, the Bible says that all the promises of God are yes. So they're up here, they're available. It's almost like, you know, they're just ready to be drawn down. The promises of God are yes. But the amen found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you want to drag God's promises in your life? Say amen. Don't think amen. Don't hope amen. Say amen. And then we drag down God's promises into our world. That's why you need to say amen during the preaching. Because when God's word is declared, we drag it into our world. Jesus says, where two or three agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Agreement cannot happen without two-way communication. Agreement's not one-way communication. Imagine if my wife came home with a new dress, puts it on, looks at me, says, what do you think, honey? In all probability, I'd be sitting there gobsmacked, unable to say anything, enraptured by her beauty. On the inside, I'll be thinking, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But on the outside, she'd be thinking, what do you think? And I'll be like, well, agreement hasn't happened yet because it requires two-way communication. That's why you need to say amen during the preaching because I don't know if you agree if you're just looking at me. (laughs) On the inside, you'd be like, oh, that's amazing. But on the outside... There hasn't been agreement yet. So we haven't had two-way communication. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I know people try and get people to say that stuff for, you know, altruistic, uh, different motives, different agendas. remember preaching at a church once and the pastor said, okay, church, we've got a guest speaker today, Pastor Ben. I just want you to, you know, encourage the preacher. So I want you to say, amen, give him encouragement. I've been in services before where a guest has gotten up and they say, hey, church, you know, I need your help to preach this thing. So I need you to be talking to me. I need you to say amen. The better you talk, the better I preach. I need your help to preach this thing. Well, as you've heard me say to you before, church, I don't need your help. I've been preaching 20 years. I've been preaching in some places where they look at you like they want to kill you. So if I needed your help to preach, I would have quit 20 years ago. So I don't need your help. It doesn't make me feel better about myself and I don't feel more confident because I'm pretty confident anyway but I still want you to say amen. 
Because when God's Word is declared, we drag it into the world through agreement. And if we're going to be people of faith, hope and love, then one of the things we need to do is to actually be people of faith in action, in word, in language. And as we do, you'll be amazed at the things that God has done. All these other things are important. Programs are important. All these other things are important. But if you want to boil it all down, three things remain. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so my prayer is this, whatever King's service you go to, whether they drive certain cars to this one and others, whether they ride a horse to that one, whatever, and the train to the other, whether they're a different ethnicity, it doesn't matter, it's all different. But when you go to King's, at least let there be three things at every King's service. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen. So I want to pray. I want to pray that you'll be a carrier of His kingdom, that culture. Don't get me wrong. We are a multi-generational church. We're a Pentecostal church. There's all these things that we do. But no matter where we go, let us be at least known for these three things. Faith, hope, and love. Amen? And so I want to pray for you. I want to declare that over your life. There's some people here, and I think you have, I, I just felt hope had dissipated because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's some people here, you're a bit heartsick. Recently, you've been dwelling on a promise that hasn't come to pass. And rather than encouraging you, it's discouraged you because it's taken so long. My prayer is today that God will fill you, fill you with that hope. Have a word for Pastor Colin, Pastor Lynn Island. Um, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. Um, some translations, in some parts, it's actually those who wait for the Lord felt the Holy Spirit say that there's something you've been waiting for for a long time that's about to rise up. There's something that in the back of your mind, it's been sitting there, I thought this was going to happen, I thought that was going to happen, hasn't happened yet, but God wants you to know it's going to mount up on wings of eagles. There's nothing you have to do do about it. God's going to breathe on it. He's going to lift it. He's going to take it to a new level. Lift your hands, Pastor Colin Lynn. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Pastor Colin Lynn. I declare a blessing on Life Church in Townsville. I thank you that already it's a miracle. And I thank you, Lord, that you are lifting to a whole new level that which you've been doing out there. I thank you already there's been great things, but I thank you that you're breathing upon it, something that's going to make it rise to a whole new level. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand on your feet? We're going to sing a song. It's called, I'm going to see a victory. You see it here before you see it there. It's not a song like, oh, I saw a victory, I'm happy. I'm seeing it, then I'm going to see it. And so as we sing that, I want you to declare and be bold. I'm going to see the victory, amen? We're people of faith. Let's believe God. Come on, let's praise Him. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.